Chapter 56 He began playing his shining trumpet with such power that the whole mountain rang. Johann Valentin Andrei, Die Kimische Hochzeit des Christian Rosenkreuz, Strasbourg, Zetzner, 1616, Volume 1, Page 4 We had reached the chapter on the wonders of hydraulic pipes and a sixteenth-century engraving from the Spiritalia of Heron depicted a kind of altar with a steam-driven apparatus that played a trumpet. I brought Belbo back to his reminiscing. How did it go, then, the story of that Don Tuco Braha, or whatever his name was, the man who taught you to play the trumpet? Don Tico. I never found out if Tico was a nickname or his last name. I've never gone back to the parish hall. The first time I went there it was by chance, mass, catechism, all sorts of games, and if you won he gave you a little holy card of blessed Domenico Savio, that adolescent with the wrinkled canvas pants always hanging on to Don Bosco in the statues, his eyes raised to heaven not listening to the other boys who are telling dirty jokes. I learned that Don Tico had formed a band, boys between ten and fourteen. The little ones played toy clarinets, fifes, soprano sax, and the bigger ones carried the tubas and the bass drum. They had uniforms, khaki tunics and blue trousers, and visored caps. A dream, and I wanted to be part of it. Don Tico said he needed a bombardin. He gave us a superior look and said, as if repeating familiar information, A bombardin is a kind of tuba, a bass horn in E-flat. It's the stupidest instrument in the whole band. Most of the time it just goes oompa, 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 or when the beat changes, papa, papa, papa. It's easy to learn, though. Belonging to the brass family, it works more or less like a trumpet. The trumpet demands more breath, and you need an embouchure. You know, that kind of callus on the upper lip, like Louis Armstrong. Then you get a clear, clean sound, and you don't hear the blowing. The important thing is not to puff out your cheeks. That only happens in movies, cartoons, or New Orleans brothels. What about the trumpet? The trumpet I learned on my own during those summer afternoons when there was nobody at the parish hall, and I would hide in the seats of the little theater. But I studied the trumpet for erotic reasons. You see that little villa over there, a kilometer from the hall? That's where Cecilia lived, the daughter of the Salesian's great patroness. So every time the band performed on holy days of obligation, after the procession, in the yard of the parish hall, and especially in the theater before performances of the Amateur Dramatic Society, Cecilia and her mamma were always in the front row, in the place of honor, next to the provost of the cathedral. In the theater the band would begin with a march that was called A Good Start. It opened with trumpets, the trumpets in B-flat, gold and silver, carefully polished for the occasion. The trumpets stood up, played by themselves, then they sat down, and the band began. Playing the trumpet was the only way for me to attract Cecilia's attention. The only way? Lorenza asked, moved. There was no other way. First I was thirteen, and she was thirteen and a half, and a girl thirteen and a half is already a woman. A boy at thirteen is a snot-nosed kid. Besides, she loved an alto sax, a certain poppy, a mangy horror he seemed to me, but she only had eyes for him, as he bleated lasciviously, because the saxophone, when it isn't Ornette Coleman's and it's part of a band, and played by the horrendous poppy, is a goatish guttural instrument with the voice of, say, a fashion model who's taken to drink and turning tricks. What do you know about models who turn tricks? Anyway, Cecilia didn't even know I existed. Of course, in the evening, when I struggled up the hill to fetch the milk from a farm above us, I invented splendid stories in which she was kidnapped by the Black Brigades, 
and I rushed to save her as the bullets whistled around my head and went chack-chack as they hit the sheaves of wheat. I revealed to her what she couldn't have known, that in my secret identity I headed the resistance in the whole Monferrato region, and she confessed to me that this was what she had always hoped, and at that point I would feel a guilty flood of honey in my veins. I swear not even my foreskin got wet, it was something else, something much more awesome and grand, and on coming home I would go and confess. I believe all sin, love, glory are this. When you slide down the knotted sheets, escaping from Gestapo headquarters, and she hugs you, there, suspended, and she whispers that she's always dreamed of you. The rest is just sex, copulation, the perpetuation of the vile species. In short, if I were switched to the trumpet, Cecilia would be unable to ignore me, on my feet, gleaming, while the saxophone sits miserably on his chair. The trumpet is warlike, angelic, apocalyptic, victorious. It sounds the charge. The saxophone plays so that young punks in the slums, their hair slicked down with brilliantine, can dance cheek to cheek with sweating girls. I studied the trumpet like a madman. Then I went to Don Tico and said, Listen to this. And I was Oscar Levant when he had his first tryout on Broadway with Gene Kelly. Don Tico said, You're a trumpet, all right, but... How dramatic this is, Lorenza said. Go on, don't keep us on pins and needles. But I had to find somebody to take my place on the Bombardin. Work out something, Don Tico said. So I worked out something. Now I must tell you, dear children, that in those days there lived in, name omitted, a couple of wretches, classmates of mine, though they were two years older than I, and this fact tells you something about their mental ability. These two brutes were named Anibale Cantalamesa and Pio Bo. Asterisk, historical fact. What? Lorenza asked. I explained smugly. When Salgari in his adventure stories includes a true event or something he thinks is true, let's say that after Little Bighorn, Sitting Bull eats General Custer's heart, he always puts an asterisk and a footnote that says, historical fact. Yes, and it's a historical fact that Anibale Cantalamesa and Pio Bo really had those names, but the names were the least of it. A real pair of sneaks. They stole comic books from the newsstand, shell cases from other boys' collections. And they would think nothing of parking their greasy salami sandwich on your prized Christmas book, a deluxe volume of Tales of the High Seas. Cantalamesa called himself a communist, Bo a fascist, but they were both ready to sell themselves to the enemy for a slingshot. They told stories about their sexual prowess, with erroneous anatomical information, and argued over who had masturbated more the night before. Here were two villains ready for anything. Why not the Bombardin? So I decided to seduce them. I sang the praises of the band uniform. I took them to public performances. I held out hopes for amatory triumphs with the Daughters of Mary. They fell for it. I spent my days in the theater with a long stick, as I had seen in illustrated pamphlets about missionaries. I rapped them on the knuckles when they missed a note. The Bombardin has only three keys, but it's the embouchure that matters, as I said. I won't bore you any further, my little listeners. The day came, after long, sleepless afternoons, when I could introduce to Don Tico two Bombardins. I won't say perfect, but at least acceptable. Don Tico was convinced. He put them in uniform and moved me to the trumpet. Within the space of a week, for the Feast of Our Lady Help of Christians, for the opening of the theatrical season with They Had to See Paris, there before the curtain, in the presence of the authorities, I was standing to play the opening bars of Good Start. Oh, joyous moment, Lorenza said, making a face of tender jealousy. And Cecilia? She wasn't there.
Maybe she was sick, I don't know. But she wasn't there. He raised his eyes and surveyed the audience, and at that moment he was bard, or jester. He calculated the pause. Two days later, Don Tico sent for me and told me that Anibali Cantalamesa and Pio Bo had ruined the evening. They wouldn't keep time, their minds wandered when they weren't playing, they joked and never came in at the right place. The Bombardin, Don Tico said to me, is the backbone of the band, its rhythmic conscience, its soul. The band, it is a flock, the instruments are the sheep, the bandmaster the shepherd, but the Bombardin is the faithful snarling dog that keeps the flock together. The bandmaster looks first to the Bombardin, for if the Bombardin follows him, the sheep will follow. Jacopo, my boy, I must ask of you a great sacrifice, to go back to the Bombardin. You have a good sense of rhythm. You will keep those other two in time for me. I promise, as soon as they can play on their own, I'll let you play the trumpet. I owed everything to Don Tico. I said yes, and on the next holy day the trumpets rose to their feet and played the opening of Good Start in front of Cecilia once more in the front row. But I was in the darkness, a Bombardin among Bombardins. As for those two wretches, they were never able to play on their own, and I never went back to the trumpet. The war ended, I returned to the city, abandoned music, the brass family, and never even learned Cecilia's last name. Poor boy, Lorenza said, hugging him from behind. But you still have me. I thought you liked saxophones, Belbo said. Then he turned and kissed her hand. But to work he said, serious again. We're here to create a story of the future, not a remembrance of things past. That evening, the lifting of the ban on alcohol was much celebrated. Jacopo seemed to have forgotten his elegiac mood and competed with Theotolevi in imagining absurd machines, only to discover each time that the machines had already been invented. At midnight, after a full day, we all decided it was time to experience what it was like sleeping in the hills. On my bed the sheets were even damper than they had been in the afternoon. Jacopo had insisted that we use a priest, an oval frame that kept the covers raised and had a place for a little brazier with embers. He wanted to make sure we tasted all the pleasures of rural life. But when dampness is inherent, a bed warmer encourages it. You feel welcome warmth, but the sheets remain humid. Oh, well. I lit a lamp, the kind with a fringed shade, where the mayflies flutter until they die, as the poet says and I tried to make myself sleepy by reading the newspaper. For an hour or two I heard footsteps in the corridor, an opening and closing of doors, and the last closing was a violent slam, Lorenza Pellegrini putting Belbo's nerves to the test. I was half asleep when I heard a scratching at the door, my door. I couldn't tell whether it was an animal or not, I had seen neither dogs nor cats in the house, but I had the impression that it was an invitation, a request, a trap. Maybe Lorenza was doing it because she knew Belbo was spying on her. Maybe not. Until then I had considered Lorenza Belbo's property, at least as far as I was concerned, and besides, now that I was living with Leah, other women didn't interest me. The sly glances, often conspiratorial, that Lorenza gave me in the office or in a bar when she was teasing Belbo, as if seeking an ally or a witness, were part, I had always thought, of the game she played. Without a doubt, Lorenza had a talent for looking at any man as if challenging his sexual capacity. But it was a curious challenge, as if she were saying, I want you, but only to show how afraid you really are. That night, however, hearing her fingernails scrape my door, I felt something different. It was desired. I desired Lorenza. 
I stuck my head under the pillow and thought of Leah. I want to have a child with Leah, I said to myself, and I'll make him, or her, learn the trumpet as soon as he, or she, has enough breath.